ghosts, goblins, witches and warlocks, demons, vampires and werewolves, all creatures of the night, and welcome to the Last Halloween Podcast, the first official episode. I'm one half of your hosts, Christopher R. Pumpkins. And I'm the other half, Christina Cadavers. Uh, Before we get into the main part of the episode, it is October now that we're recording this, and it's a little spooky outside today with some rain and cool (laughs) temperatures. So we're officially in the spooky season, and we want to get started on a lot of our spooky stuff uh, that we want to do. Yeah, I think we've been trying to really get ready since like September. I mean, we have some stuff that we do year-round, but... Um, we're trying to get our decorations up. We're a little late, honestly. We have our normal house decor that is spooky related, (laughs) but, uh, we're adding our official Halloween decorations that we got out of the storage unit this weekend, I think. The spooky storage unit. Yeah, the really spooky spooky storage unit. Oh my gosh. Um, we have what we like to call the weird wall, which is actually directly in front of where we're podcasting. And we've had that since we moved in, I believe. Um, but we've been adding to that quite a bit the last few weeks. Yeah, it's just a big, plain beige wall that we could have painted, but instead we're like, eh, we got to cover it with cool stuff. Yeah, so. we've got a lot of uh, framed photos and some... Uh Whatever a shelf <laughs> meets our spooky fancy. Yeah. Uh, Not we, a very good description of what's up there. Spooky enough yet? I, think I know. Maybe six more times would be good. But <laughs> yeah, we're just behind this year. I mean, actually, if you think about it, from last year, we were really behind. We just kept the decorations sitting in a box for a very long time. And then finally, we, got them it might have up. been like Every year a we weekend before this. that we actually decorated. Yeah, we talk a big game. There's so much stuff we want to get to, and it yeah. just takes us forever to actually do it because we're focusing on other stuff. I've been listening officially to my uh, Halloween playlist, especially at work, just to get me through the day. So that's been cranking quite a bit. Yeah, I've started um, my my spooky soundtracks um, and my different. I haven't done my official official playlist because I don't want to get sick of it early enough. But, I know. Uh, definitely keeps me company at work to listen to that stuff it's the the playlists are definitely a uh our own personal um music choices that we choose because it, it is debatable what is um oh god part that of could be playlists. an entire it is you know, a, it three could, episodes yeah, it should be an probably episode should to talk be an about episode because it is like a very debatable thing yeah yeah oh uh, did i tell yeah. you about my uh playlist that i found somebody else that made it but it's just spooky sounds just spooky sounds. yeah it's just sounds it's you know like howling and just weird music and they're you know couples you know some are like a minute long some are two three minutes long and they're just spooky sounds laughter or you know clowns laughing (laughs) screaming clowns laughing yeah they're just it's all over the place it's a clown laughing i don't know the title i guess (laughs) (laughs) i'm a clown oh can you You hear my red nose stormy sounds just (laughs) <laughs> clown laughing. So sometimes when I'm at work, I just want to drown out everything, and I put that on. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's uh, that's fair. I, I I like that. I think it's fun because if you play out loud for a long time, people just w- like are anticipating something else like happening at some point, like a song or like some sort of longer thing, maybe a story. But no, it's just sound effects. Yeah, there's no and clowns. Occasionally, laughing. there's some you know evil words being uttered but not really (laughs) it's very interesting no i like it i like it i'd add that to a bunch of (laughs) other songs but uh we also have our spooky beverages that i mean it's it is pretty basic but hey i we're not ashamed of of pumpkin spice are you sure no i'm (laughs) I'm I'm ashamed that it's become such a thing really i'm leaning back into it because i've loved it it's one time a year for my pumpkin spice stuff so i've been buying pumpkin spice flavored cereals um you know i've got my latte right next to me that i'm finishing up yeah i I, know i I, I love the those flavors like and and it has nothing to do it comes out only seasonally so i'm okay with it if it came on all year i mean i'd probably get that all year because it is a i like the spices i like the flavor so yeah if we didn't have somewhere to go later i would suggest us having our jacko pumpkin beers or or Uh, one of our hard ciders i mean we're we're from the new england area so the uh sam adams jacko pumpkin is one of my favorite now don't get that confused with oktoberfest because that is not the same thing oktoberfest does not have as much pumpkiny spice yeah this is more of a specific pumpkin yeah like i really like 
uh, Jack O'Popkin. It's yeah. it's delicious as a, as a beer. Um, I don't drink a lot of beer. I'm more of a liquor person, but they don't really have <laughs> pumpkin spice liquor. I guess. Oh, they might. They might. I don't know. Yeah, they probably do. Yeah, I should look that up. But yeah, I mean, we also like hard ciders. Um, from uh, there's uh, one particular from. Uh, we don't do a lot of shopping at Trader Joe's, but when we do, it's usually during oh, I Halloween forgot about time. Our- yeah, the uh, the gourd tree pumpkin yeah. ciders. Um, they're just really good. I just like the bottle. And then they've got those JoJo cookies, that are, <laughs> that, which they have them all the time, but they they make, you know, they have the orange. Fr- they're basically Oreos, but like much better as far yeah. as I'm concerned. Well, speaking of food and beverages, we often have those when we're watching movies, yes. which is our topic of today. Yeah, this is usually when we are consuming those things, of course, Absolutely. which is why we have some hefty pumpkin weight of our own. Uh, on a little bit. <laughs> yeah, so today we have two of our foreplay movies, but we thought maybe we'd just mention a few of the other movies that we've been watching that we might not get a chance to talk about quite during the Halloween season this year. Um, what were some of your favorites that we've watched so far? Well, I've been enjoying re-watching stuff because there's certain movies that I haven't watched in a long time, and it's like and, and shows too, like that I haven't watched in a long time since I was much younger. And now that, you know, picture quality's come such a long way, you can see so much better sound quality. It's like, and I'm older, so it's like experiencing them for the first time again. So, like, I haven't watched Beetlejuice in years, and, um, you know, I've kind of fallen on off the deep end with Tim Burton, you know, recently over the last few years, because, well, last 10 years, I guess. I don't know. It's changed, but it, it's nice to go back to his, like, you know, real classic Tim Burton movies, but um, Beetlejuice has always been one of my favorites. Yeah, and, no, we watched that the other night and that was great. Yeah, it was just, it was fun to see how it does hold up for you pretty well mm-hmm. and you still enjoy it as an adult and it's just so much fun um, for sure. It, it was just really nice to watch and I heard that the second one is being made right now uh, in this in this timeline of whenever you're listening to it um, and yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. That's probably a, a different conversation. Yeah. <laughs> These, these sequels to mm. movies from the 80s and 90s. But yeah, so that's been fun. Uh, for the first time, I've really been focusing on the, like, the classic Universal Monster movies, um, yeah. which strangely, I, I've, I, obviously everybody knows the like monster characters because they're everywhere, but I don't know how many I've actually sat down and watched fully. Uh, I know I watched Frankenstein of Dracula, which you've seen for the first time. Yeah, never uh, saw either now. of those. But I had not seen Creature from the Black Lagoon, which we watched the other night, and I don't know why. I just they, it's just you, you have to. There's so much content to watch. You just yeah, like, I was excited to, to watch that watch one. It, so, it, yeah. was, it held up more than I thought it would. I was a little nervous about seeing the creature yeah. and how that would be from the 50s, but I thought it was good. It had some really scary scenes. Yeah, like I just imagined like seeing a big zipper on the back of the creature and like <laughs> just being like, "What the hell is this?" But it was legitimately creepy. Yeah, and just the. You know, some of the underwater footage, which is kind of like handheld uh, underwater camera footage from the 50s, like, it's it's pretty creepy. Like, the shadows yeah, oh. and, like, the dead eyes that the creature has was just really surprisingly uh, well done. So I, I, I think that holds up, and that was really fun to watch last night. And we've yeah. also been watching... Uh, episodes of the Monsters. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. On, on uh, Peacock has them. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just... I, I didn't think that I remember watching the show when I was much younger because I was a Naked Night fan. Uh, and they and I never watched. Those, so. I watched a few episodes of the original Adams Family, and that was kind of where I was. Yeah, they used to have them. They used to have the monsters on Naked Night, um, uh, Nickelodeon's evening programming for. I don't know who the hell they were split like adults, but no adults ever watched that. I don't think I. I was basically the only one, but. Um, like my, my age group, I adults guess, waiting for their kids to go to bed. I don't yeah. Know. <laughs> something I tried staying up late uh, to watch the rest of it, but, um, yeah. So it w- I used to watch it back then and then I don't think I'd watched it again for years and years because yeah. it just, you know, a lot of the stuff in between the transfer over to DVD and the digital and everything, things just get lost. Um, so now it's like in completely restored HD. I'm just like, holy shit, this is, <laughs> this is better than when I watched it on a tiny square television as a kid. So it was, it's really great. Like, um, and uh, it holds up like huge. Yeah, they're I mean, just really yeah. fun episodes. I really enjoy how the characters are and how they act and play off of each other. So yeah, it's just really fun. I think that Fred Gwynn and and um, 
just Al Lewis, um, just grandpa. He's great. my fave. Yeah, just really great characters and fun. And I think there's a little bit of a debate whether or not um, the Adams Family TV show is like better, worse, or the same. And I don't know. I've seen both, and I don't know how. I'm still the the jury's out for me. But I think the monsters are just really fun. Yeah. Kind of becoming a favorite. Yeah, and I haven't seen the remake movie from Rob Zombie. Yeah, maybe maybe I, some weekend maybe we'll sometime. watch it. I don't yeah. know how I feel about that either because I'm like, yeah. there's some actors and characters that I'm just like, yeah, I don't think you're gonna be able to redo that ever. But yeah. but all right, but yeah. So yeah, speaking so of our movies, movies we, should we get into yeah, it? Yeah. So we talked about in the intro that we, um, if you listened to the previous intro episode. Uh, that we pulled, um, we have our, our pumpkin picker. Yeah, <laughs> we have a little, our little pumpkin pal, and I literally just wrote out all of our foreplay movies, our kind of pre-Halloween-ish movies, yeah. on slips of paper, and we just picked them. So we did our pumpkin pick, um, we picked three movies, and we're doing the first two on this episode. So The Woman in Black. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, give I us am... our, our synopsis of this movie. The smaller... Um, synopsis is a young solicitor travels to a, a remote village where he discovers that the vengeful ghost of a scorned woman is terrorizing the locals. That's really simplified. I Thank think. you. Now I remember. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's really simplified, I think, but um, I think it does work um, as just kind of the overall idea. Um, so he works for a solicitor. So he's like legal real estate type lawyer, of situation, guess, lawyer yeah. type of thing, legal and, uh, so he's told by his boss that he needs to like pay more attention because apparently when you lose your wife in that time period, uh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> like you still got to show your dedication to the To be fair, to this was firm. four years later after she had died though. That's true. That's true. All right. I didn't, oh, is, was it? I didn't realize that. Okay. Yeah. 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 It said she had died, I believe in 1906 and then this was four years later. Oh, see, I guess that makes a little bit more sense. Not that you should just get over someone that you love dying, but like no matter what, but I guess it makes a little bit, I thought it was like, cause again, it's got that like mid 2000s everything you learn is in flashbacks type of thing so that's true i didn't really know when that was and you just see why he's sad and then you're just like oh that sucks um but i i thought it happened much sooner so like the boss was just like get your ass back out there like who cares <laughs> man man up and yeah. and go out and take care of this these documents in this house well like like i said um during childbirth is when the wife dies so then we see later on we see the kid and he's like four so oh that's <laughs> That's a good you know, he's point. walking and talking. And what the hell is wrong with me? <laughs> yeah, the kid doesn't grow up in like six months to be like a toddler. Actually, he was like three or four, right? Yeah, you said? Yeah, yeah. What the hell was I thinking? Of course. All right, well, either way, I think the boss was still really rude because he's like, show show your dedication to the firm and, and get out there and stop moping around about your dead wife. And I'm just like, all right, well. And Arthur's like, yes, I, I will make sure to do it. Uh, so that's it. Um, uh, and it takes place in the early 20th century, um, which is uh, right after the Victorian era Edwardian, right? I'm not Yeah, it as starts at the about, very beginning of the Edwardian era, I believe. Not, not as familiar with uh, history like that. But uh, he starts off in London. Um, that's where his firm is at. And he is told to go to this village um, called Critham Gifford, I think is how you say it. A very small, remote town full of superstitious... And uh, superstitious people that don't like outsiders for a very specific reason you're, you're trying to figure out. And he has to go to Eel Marsh House, is this large house that's out by uh, past a, a marsh that the tide covers, which is a huge part of the story, to go through the papers in the estate of uh, a woman. Or I guess I, multiple people live there, but like just the estate because they're trying to sell the house. And the villagers, you get the sense right off the bat, don't sell the house, get the hell out, um, go away get back on your train, disappear, um, and so you don't know why. So I, I already the, the premise was, was fun because you're like, why is the town like this? Why are they so superstitious? Um, and so you're just kind of like figuring out what's going on as you go. And um, so uh, also, yeah, Eel Marsh House, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, Marsh. it was a gorgeous house. Um, and the idea that the, uh, so when you go out there, he can't obviously get, uh, they're trying to get him out. So Mr. Daly comes by to help him out, to get him to the house um, and to give him shelter since the town pub 
in like everybody's fighting him and they want him to go home but Mr. Daly is different um, he has the only car in the town and so he's like I'll help you out these people are superstitious idiots um, you know just keep going uh, so they he brings him to the house or no he was able to bribe the Arthur is able to bribe the the uh, what are you wagon guy I don't yeah he first got a, <laughs> I'm doing a, a ride job with <laughs> yeah he first got a ride out there with someone I can't even remember but yeah yeah, he and then afterwards, like a, Sam, um, he continues to take him out there. Sam Daly, yeah, he drives him out in the car, and and the the marsh uh, tide goes through, completely covering the long, the only road in and out. So mm-hmm. once he's at the house, and the tide goes through, he's stuck in that house. Um, so for him, he has to go in this house and uh, go through all of the papers and documents. I guess you have to do that in the house. You can't take the documents well, I think, with you. I, I think the point was there was just so much that um, yeah, it, huge trunks. Yeah, it would have had to have been removed in bulk. So yeah, I guess so. Um, uh, so yeah, I mean, it, and and so you find out um, through the town lore because he starts already seeing the woman in black, and you start realizing that every time she has seen a kid in the town, one of the children of the, of the townspeople dies, mm-hmm. if there's any left. And so they're trying to hide them uh, from being able to see the woman in black and also not touching the house because she's apparently just there all the time haunting deer and such until someone comes by and disrupts it and sees her. <laughs> I don't know exactly uh, what she's doing on her time off. Um, so Arthur's coming in and fucking everything up. Um, yeah. Yeah. So he's, yeah. I mean the main scene from the beginning, um, and we don't know why it happens obviously until a little later on, but you see these three little girls playing and all of a sudden they just look over to the wall and they get up and they jump out the window. All three. They don't just jump out the window. They saunter out the window slowly. That was uh, such an interesting way to start the movie. Three girls and the windows are perfectly designed so that each girl gets their own window to open and walk out at the exact same time. Obviously giving nice, it's just very perfect, like centered, like one, two, three, and they, you know, boom. So the woman in black we know is very good at coordinating children to do things at the exact same time. Yes, we find out later that they did that because she showed up and was like, jump out the window, it's going to be great. Yeah, and I'd like to think that she gave them like even more specific direction. Like you see there's one, two, three windows, and each one of you has to align yourself with each window. Don't go out the same window. That's not right. You have to each open up one of those windows. Right at the same time. Right at the same time, and don't one of you jump before the others. It has to be all three, and don't run. Walk calmly right out the window. See, now the movie is no longer creepy. <laughs> that that part was... She just sounds yeah. like a manager at a terrible job. And that's kind of what she did at the beginning. I don't know how the girls knew to, knew to do that, but, you know. Uh, so that was fun. So yeah, we learn about that throughout, that pretty much everybody in the town that has kids, they're worried that their kids are going to be next. And they blame Arthur because he has come and riled her up again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and and, and Daniel's motivation, and I'm not sure the difference with the book, but but Daniel's motivation. <laughs> Arthur, Arthur Kipp's motivation is basically that if he, because he has a son of his own, uh, obviously, because who's coming to, to join we, him? We already said that. Yeah, <laughs> he's doing, he's traveling with um, the nanny soon. Right, he's, and he's coming, coming to, the to town. join him. Um, so he's like, oh shit, like yeah. he's gonna be next. Uh, one of the great parts is he made this little cute book uh, that that shows... I put that in my likes. We were gonna yeah. talk about what we liked right, about we'll the get movie, to that, and yeah, exactly. well, I mean, we we're there. But that was part of that. We're there, and, um, right? Yeah, and and uh, so Daniel Radcliffe stars. I uh, he was twenty three years old when he did this, uh, and it was right after. He did Deathly Hallows Part Two. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a fan of the Harry Potter franchise for sure, and I definitely think that motivated me to see this movie because I did see it in theaters because I was like, interesting. What is he going to do now? You know, now that he's probably typecast forever, um, what's he going to be up to? So, and you know, I definitely have enjoyed everything that he's done since Harry Potter. I think he's chosen some amazing roles and is a really great actor. I, I didn't and think it took me out of this at all, but I was you, the opposite. you did think that that took you out to kind of see him. I think originally when I thought about seeing the movie and had heard about it during the time it came out, I was like, really, Harry Potter's going to try to not be Harry Potter? <laughs> but watching it again... He's not wearing the glasses. I know, I know. <laughs> Come on, he doesn't have a scar. Everything's fine. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I just think it's interesting in this movie, he does kind of like... I mean, he fits the time period perfectly, the age... The, the makeup, the sideburns, like everything works to make him look like 
I guess what you would at that age in the Edwardian era, 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 era <laughs> um, the era of the Edwardian age. Um, no, the era and and because you were kind of in your twenties when you had yeah, kids anyway. Absolutely. So like I think that fits perfectly for him. Um, but he definitely does look as tired and sad as he did in like Deathly Hallows Part One. So <laughs> it does kind of look marginally like the same character, <laughs> just in like maybe his godfather or grandfather or whatever. But interesting that his godson played his own son in the movie. Oh yeah, that's uh, right. Which was nice. That kid was he cute, was cute, really was cute. cute. Uh, so that was definitely something I liked. So he's trying to keep his um, son safe. Uh, and because at first he was like, yeah, we're going to see each other in this many days. It's going to be great. Don't worry about it. And then when he starts to realize that the woman in black really is doing something, uh, he continues forward anyway, (laughs) instead of just being like, oh shit, I'll leave you guys alone and just go home. He's like, nope, I can't get fired. Uh, my boss yelled at me, I've got to get this done. So I'm going to continue forward, not having any idea what's happening with, supernatural or how to stop. And he comes up with a great idea because the woman in black lost her own son in the marsh after he was taken from her Nathaniel and you had called him Nathaniel blah, blah, but I don't blah, think blah. that's accurate. Blah, blah, <laughs> blah, blah. Uh, yeah. Natty blah, blah. Yes. Um, but he, um, he got lost in the marsh and, but it wasn't her fault. It was like, she blamed her sister who had yeah, like, the taken sister, it from um, the child's mother, her sister and husband actually took him, said she was mentally unstable, and then they adopted him. Yeah, I guess, because he has their... And she wrote letters, and, and she was saying, you know, I'm not crazy, I can't believe you took him from me, basically. And then they were driving through the marsh, and I think, was it rising was part of the problem, maybe? Yeah, there was a lot of it mud, and mucky. the cart got stuck, and for whatever reason, they couldn't get the smallest, lightest person in the yeah, cart Yeah, so he out. died. I he died. I don't know what... That, the other part that got murky is I'm like... And also, Literally murky. if you're going to take somebody's kid and, like, adopt them, don't fucking drive your shit into a marsh and kill him like <laughs> that's really not a good way to like prove that you're you a good your caretaker to your, ch- your children like you already took your son away from someone that you deemed crazy for the safety of the kid and then you kill him yeah. <laughs> in the marsh i mean come on now but anyway um so yeah, yeah so um let me see maybe i'll talk about something i, I guess we're, we can't go through the entire movie so like if you have seen it then great if not i definitely suggest checking yeah we'll it touch out on a little more as we go like of course and there we will have episodes where we can like go through one of our favorites like beat by beat but we really just have to like because it's the the season where we watch so many at a time we're going to just kind of go through the the beats of it quickly and yeah. what our thoughts are basically so um yeah so i guess you can go first because i know you did not <laughs> enjoy this movie as much as I, I liked did. it more. Yeah. Um, I liked it more and I thought he was actually really good in the movie, Harry Potter. Oh, um, <laughs> well, you also don't like ghost stories. It, it, there was no, I'm a little bit more into them. I've tried, you know, watching some things. So you're just more of, there was no home invasion in, in this movie. It's true. Except I, I mean, mean, I guess he invaded their, her he invaded home. her I home. Don't know. He just didn't do anything violent to her. Um, so I guess that maybe doesn't apply, but right. uh, yeah, so it's just a ghost story and that's, that's more my favorite thing. I, I enjoy the good classic ghost stories. Yeah. I mean, I did like the whole ambiance of the film. It was really, really great with like the music and the darkness and I thought they did the isolation really well. I mean, not only was he isolated from where he lived in London, he was now in a new place, the people of the town didn't want him there. He had almost nobody on his side except um, Sam Daly, was it, and his wife. Yeah. And, you know, then there's the literal, you know, geographical isolation of when he's in that house, he's stuck there. There's, you know, he can go outside, but she's also outside. Yeah, I, I that was definitely on my list of things that I love is just the the amount of the that that it touches on the isolation because he's also uh, isolated even his in his mind really he's uh, everyone in the the town has lost a child uh, he is worried about losing his child but he lost his wife mm-hmm. um, so he's kind of isolated with his own feelings of of guilt and working with trying to figure out like which is more important like I understand that all these like families might be losing their kids because of me, but I'm also trying to keep my kid alive because if I don't That's do true. this, I'm going to, I'm going to fire, I'm going to get fired. I'm going to lose my yep. position. And London at that time was not a fun place to be. 
uh, well, I mean, it's not either to be on the streets, but like, I'm just, he was really worried about that too. So he constantly had to be like isolated in his like mind kind of to a degree throughout the whole thing too. So yeah, I definitely, that was one of my favorites, uh, favorite things about it. Although maybe it was for the same reasons though. Cause I kind of thought that he, he had an underreaction to what he was seeing. I mean, yeah. he started seeing yeah. her and things happening and moving and he would see, you know, ghost children outside in the marsh, I think happened. And he just, he seemed pretty calm. And I'm like, well, he was afraid <laughs> for sure, but it was definitely like he, yeah, it was very understated for what he was actually saying. I mean, maybe it wasn't becoming was of a man at that time, because well, if I, that was me alone, I would have just been screaming. Yeah, I mean, I get. I mean, he was definitely afraid in a lot of the the scenes, um, but I guess it's just like it. And what goes in my negative category of the movie for sure is just the the kind of flip flopping that he does, where you find out that he is a little superstitious because at the beginning he's like seeing his wife, thinking that she's alive to a degree, like kind of like a spirit in his life, and so he does believe because when Sam Daly keeps talking about uh, don't getting caught up in superstition and anything, he he does kind of believe that and he says no 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 i'm i see my wife like this i do believe in this stuff but then when he is presented with the fact that that's why i don't know what to think about the character because he is he does kind of believe that this is what is happening with the woman in black and yet he's still like go fuck yourself town like <laughs> i'm more important and i'm gonna do this anyway but then he tries to help the the woman in black and try to set her spirit free by uh, digging up and finding because as we as it's said about 18 times in the movie, the body was never recovered of the of the right. child of Nathaniel blah, blah. Um, so they like, that was his whole mission is I'm going to, you have a car now, Mr. Daly, I'm going to use it to get this kid out of the, the marsh in the pitch black and the darkest part of the night with just your headlights instead of, I don't know, finding a better time during the day. Uh, yeah. No one goes out there anyway. That would have been fine. Maybe it was part of the, the ritual. I'm not sure. But like he so he believes in that and he thinks he can set the spirit free. So that's why I'm like, I don't know about his motivations because he 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 does believe and he also doesn't believe. Well he also saw He's enough of the children die. Yeah, I mean he saw, he saw every least, child die. Yeah, he saw the one that burned in the fire. He saw the child that came in that was poisoned from lye. Yeah. And so I think after a while he was like, oh, my God, this is happening. Yeah, so it was just interesting to, like, he, he was aware that this was actually happening. Yeah. But yet also was not. And then uh, and then uh, Sam Daly just keeps telling him not to be superstitious, even though there's a lot of sh- <laughs> fucking proof throughout the whole movie that he's. Doesn't <laughs> Sam Daly's kid die, though? Yeah. And from that's, the same thing? That's one of the, I mean, um. For me to go into what I liked about the movie was the actors, um, definitely. Yeah, for and sure. I, I thought that that is what made everything more powerful than even the the writing. Like, it did lift it. I mean, some of the just great veteran actors that are, you know, really killing it in a horror script that I that I really loved. And, um, well, like Mr. Bentley, the boss, uh, we've seen him in V for Vendetta. So I always like oh, to talk, yeah. if I talk about actors or anything, I like to talk about just other, like, horror thrillers, you know, spooky things that they've been in other than everything. So like Viva Vendetta, I don't know if that's technically in that category, but uh, great, great, great movie. Love um, that. And he was really like, really tough in that movie. He was, he yeah. was, yeah, not the friendliest of <laughs> Yeah, he of was, creatures. he was really great in that movie. So he was, he played his boss. So that's the guy that's telling you, gear shit together, Arthur. And, you know, forget about your wife. You got to prove to me that you can do it. And I don't know if I was in Arthur's position faced with that guy, I'd be like, oh, OK, maybe I will completely screw over a town and all of their children in order to make you happy. Well, in sure. another life in V for Vendetta, he was the voice of London or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. You played that guy. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That Louis was Prothero. F- I think wow. his name yeah, was. That was a that was a difficult character to watch. Holy shit. Uh, so yeah, Mr. Sam Daly was played by uh, Kieran Hines, uh, who, like, well, for another Harry Potter reference, he played Aberforth uh, Dumbledore in the uh, Deathly Hallows. Really? Yeah. So he was also in there. Oh my gosh, I um, remember him from uh, Rome. I think. Yeah. That HBO show. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, he was in that too. But uh, it's just funny that the two of them just kind of like did that movie and then. Right after the like, you want to go to this other movie that is not like Harry Potter, but still, you know, has dark a lot of, and yeah, yeah. 
Uh, I think that was fun. But he was I also love when Logan. actors do that, though. Yeah, I know. They you just sort of together. float on together. But what were some other things that you liked? Just- um, along the same lines, actually, I had written down that uh, Sam Daly, I really liked his character. Um, mostly because the entire movie, I actually expected him to somehow be the bad guy or to be manipulating the situation. Yeah, yeah cause he was such a the forceful, entire time. Yeah, yeah. He was just a very strong male figure. And I guess, um, Daniel Radcliffe's character just, he wasn't, I guess he's, he was sort of just trying to do his thing and he was sort of, I mean, he was going against the town, but he seemed like he was just really unsure of himself. And so, um, well, Sam vulnerable. Daly. Yeah, and, yeah. And Sam seemed to be a very fatherly figure to him during this whole thing because he understood the loss that Arthur had gone through as opposed to the rest of the town. So, like, the rest of the town was just like, get the fuck out, you're killing my children. But he mm-hmm. was one that bonded with him of, like, you you lost somebody so young that's unnatural. And, and to go through that, I know. You know, so, like, he was able to actually bond with him and kind of be a father figure to him. Yeah, which was and, nice but to see does, after, but there was... Vibe. It was such a feeling, especially because everybody else was, like can you just please leave before more happens? Yeah. And I'm like, what is this guy's game? Yeah. Is there something that he's trying to get? Is he a part of it? Was he involved in the death? Like, I don't know what's happening. And it turns out he was just a nice guy. Yeah. And, <laughs> and we're so jaded. It's <laughs> such so a jaded person we're watching. We just think that with the car scene, things. when they were trying to pull the body out, I was like, I think he's going to just, yeah, he's going to kill him. He's going to cut the rope yeah. and he's going to let this go. He's like, he's like actually secretly with the town, but he's just like pretending to not be. Yeah, he's yeah. the only one helping him and giving him a ride in any way. And that was, that's one of my favorite things of the movie is that character it, itself because he himself, uh, because he does end up being just a, a sweet guy that's trying to figure out his own feelings on life and death and the death of his son and his wife and what she's going through. Which I really not loved her to too. Yes, yeah, she was amazing. Um, uh, yeah, I really loved his wife. Um, I can't remember her name. I didn't write that down. Uh, Janet but... McTeer was the, the actor. And she, yeah, she did a hell of a job portraying yeah. it. Because that could have been in a different uh, actor's hands and probably a different movie i would think a different type of movie it would have looked stupid what she was doing but it was done so believable by her that it kind of wins you over quite a bit and yeah. and that relationship ended up being beautiful between the two of them like being able to talk so i think that's and then there was just the whole portrayal i guess of women during that time period anyway that you know she's just this crazy sick woman but i just i don't know i really liked her and she was even in her crazy moments that we, you know, quote well, unquote crazy. she could have crazy. ended up like Janet, uh, the woman in black to Janet, begin with. who's that? Jan- 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 Jeanette? <laughs> Janet. Damn it, Janet. <laughs> you know Janet in the old, in the old El Marsh house. <laughs> El, El Marshy. Uh, yeah, Janet. Uh, you, Janet blah blah. But that wasn't her last name. <laughs> no, it was Humphreys or something. Yeah. No, but I, yeah, I mean, she, uh, she could have ended up like that character because that's what happens. Is they're just like, you're crazy. I mean, we don't even know why she was... Because with the letters, it showed that she was angry at her sister for taking her kid, which, of course, she's angry. Like, I don't I don't see that as being crazy. I think that she's going mad because she's so upset that her sister just basically... So it was really about women. It was just a movie about women. Yeah, and I just... I don't... I th- That's the only... I wish that they'd kind of gone into more... Because, honestly, I ended up being on the woman in black side toward the end of the movie. I'm like... Kill all the children. She's just basically going through, like, you're a bunch of assholes. Like, you don't deserve any of these kids. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I guess nobody questioned I'm taking them, to hang them, out with them taking the kid away. They just... Yeah. Everybody was like, all right. Because the only thing that wasn't clear was why she, like... Her sister just said she was going mad and took her kid, but there was no explanation as to what that meant. So, yeah, I would have liked to know more about that. I guess that would be something that I didn't like because I didn't really understand the motivation there. And again, you just said like it, it probably just the way she was maybe strange and or whatever, and, and they were just like, "Ah, oh, she looked thought, like you're losing her mind." So I thought again, um, maybe she had the child out of wedlock and maybe that yeah, was part it could have it. been a societal thing. That's why I'm interested in reading the book. Cause I yeah, want to know if it goes into any more detail about that just to see. Um, but yeah, I mean his, uh, Sam Daly's wife could have been that type of character. Had she been married to a different person in the town that was a little bit, uh, more superstitious and more about hiding things and covering up things. And, and yeah, he did his fair share of like, Oh, don't mind my wife. She's just not doing well. And you know, she lost a son. So of course, 
Um, but Daniel Radcliffe's interaction with her showing that, no, she's not actually insane. She's getting these visions and uh, automatic writings, and she doesn't know what to do with them, and she believes her son is still out there, which he is because uh, Sam sees him in the house when he goes with him in the last scenes well, right, yep. after getting the boy out. So, yeah, I mean, that was uh, good. And, and for me, the uh, like we said, the isolation of the house is one of my favorite things. He's in the house alone for that all night because <laughs> stupidly, in perfect haunted house fashion, uh, haunted house movie fashions, he's just like, no, don't worry, I'm going to work through the night um, because, you know, that's what I have to do in order to have many more creepy scenes in the movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> what the hell are you doing? Like, it's the, he's already seen like five things. He's just like, yeah, I'm just going to go hole up all night and just get this shit done. That's what I was saying. I'm it's like, like if that doing? were me, I, I, I don't know. I would have been using the bathroom a lot more at least because I would have been real nervous. Well, I would have just dragged the fucking trunk like out of the, the door. At least just grab whatever you can. Who's going to prove you wrong if you just go back and be like, this is all I found? Yeah. <laughs> just these five documents. Also, Mr. Daly, why couldn't he just have he stayed out there? He had a car there? too. So he could have just, just stayed out there. He did at one stuff. point, but yeah. he didn't stay the whole time. He could have just shoved all the crap into his car and driven it back and not even worried about the Marsh Boy. He could have just gone home with all the papers and just been like, here, I've, I've figured it out. But then he had to search for other things. And he had, I mean, there were a lot of rooms in yeah. the house. I just, I would have gotten a different job, honestly. <laughs> I would have just, I would have just got written up a new resume and gone out yeah. and found something. But like, I have a lot of experience with with this sort of thing. What can I do? And, and I would have worked at the pub, at, like whatever. Just be like, no, I'm not here to sell the house. I'm actually here to just, you know, work at the pub here for a while and. I don't know, but uh, that atmosphere and and the scene with the uh, with the, the marsh baby, um, <laughs> looking out of the window in the middle of the night. There's lightning storm, rain is crashing down, and you just see the the water overtaking the marsh. But it's like not uh, it's not fully uh, over the marsh yet, so it's just all mud, and you see just this you know mud covered arm pop out of the ground and then his head pops up and he's just covered from head to toe so you can't see any features he's just a black blob of marsh mud and and he just stands there and looks up and you only see him through the lightning flashes instead of like movies where you know there's just a large blue glow for no apparent reason during (laughs) a storm where you're like why is there so much light out here does someone have a spotlight with a candle um but uh, and then you see him like walk slowly toward the house. And so Arthur locks the door, but then the door is jiggling. And, you know, the classic ghost outside my door story, but I just think it's done better because a lot of other movies just don't handle ghost children very well. And this was one of my favorite portrayals of that sort of thing. And and then he opens the door. Nobody's there, obviously, like there never is. And then there's muddy footprints going up the stairs. And just the the way the Marsh baby looks is so creepy um, that you just, I don't know, it just gives me a creeped out vibe every time I watch it, um, which it didn't have to because, again, it could have been really stupid. So that's definitely one of my favorite parts. Um, yes. But a, a few quick things that I think were a little rough in the movie um, was it definitely suffers from, and I think all, well, no, two of the three movies that we got from the pumpkin pick suffer from the 2000s error uh, for sure. They have a lot of horror tropes. It's got that moody, dark green cinematography type of thing. Not as bad as it could have been for that time period, but like it was all right. And of course, there's ghost children. Um, so it doesn't always, that just seems to be a thing. You took the words right out of my mouth. That always takes me out of most movies. The only one that I can think of that I felt like it worked well was Insidious. I really liked Yeah, that. Insidious was good. And I think that was a much better depiction of ghost children and then the conjuring they just had the classic like you know kid in a cap uh running around and the game they played in the conjuring with her that was cool or that yeah. she was doing with the kids and the clap there were, there were plenty of other neat. things that yeah. happened that made it worse the it. actual portrayal of it um i i'm not a big fan of but my final thing that i think uh hurts this movie uh, i don't know that's my personal opinion is the ending so he's talking to was it mr daly right uh, yeah i think the they were saying their goodbyes just talking and the worst part of the movie to me is the fact that after everything that has happened to all of these children and he's been trying to protect his child this entire movie trying to keep his kids safe by by breaking this curse making sure his kid does not get involved with the woman in black see the woman in black nothing and he's holding his hand by the train at the train station talking to Mr. Daly 
And after all of this, the kid sees the woman in black because Arthur did not do anything, apparently, but set her spirit, vengeful, (laughs) vengeful spirit free to the world, uh, sees the woman in black, and then lets go of his hand and goes wandering toward the train tracks like the woman in black is telling him to do to get hit by a train. And Arthur just keeps talking like a fucking idiot. <laughs> After even if I blame you, the nanny. I feel like, why do you have a nanny if she's not doing uh, anything? The nanny is off buying tickets. I she know, told I know. the nanny, he, he tells the <laughs> nanny, don't worry, I got my kid now. I'm the safest father in the world. I'm going to take care of this. And the kid just lets go of his hands. And he's like, this conversation with Mr. Daly is so good that I don't notice my child letting go of my hand. The child that I spent the last week trying to save and just wanders off and he never feels him let go of his hand. I don't even understand how that's possible. That is the most insane thing. Arthur Kipps is a fucking idiot at the end of the movie. And then instead of pushing his child away from the train, he's like, no, I'm going to just grab you immediately and die and die with you. (laughs) And now everything's great. And uh, the other strange thing is that it does seem to end like the Deathly Hallows where he wakes up with a kid this time in a train station, except it's all dark instead of all white. And instead of Dumbledore, and it's his wife. But I would have loved if Dumbledore showed up and was just like, what are you doing back here, Harry? Dumbledore was the lady in black. The Dumbledore woman in black. was the woman in black. Yes. That's what it was. Yeah. I, I just, it was such a weird ending. And then, and then the kid's like, who's that, Danny? And he's like, that's your mom. She died, remember? And then they're like, let's go. And she's like, ah, oh. she doesn't say anything. She just waves him on. And they just walk off into the hellscape. I don't know where the hell they are. It could be it could be Hellraiser hell. They're going to be ripped to shreds. I have an issue with that. But everything else uh, that I said was good. So it's worth a watch, for sure. And yeah. and as far as our rating, I think we give uh, whatever... Uh, you give. I give what whatever give? rating that I feel like <laughs> since I chose it. So yeah, absolutely. I give it 7 out of 10 Marsh Babies. So because, did I, actually. Yeah, I think that's a good rating for it. I, yeah. IMDb and other reviews give it like 6.2, 6.5, which I'm like, eh, I get it. I mean, I feel like it's rewatchable when you just want like a nice ghost story. I definitely watch it more than other movies, especially around this period. Yeah, absolutely. So, but let's get on to our next movie, 1991's The Addams Family. Why did we... Or why? I mean, this was was this your pick? I don't know. I think we just both agreed on it. Yeah. I mean, we picked it out of the pumpkin, but then we both were like, yeah, we both wanted that movie in there because it's a freaking classic. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it's a family, you know, doing their weird thing. Like, (laughs) and they just don't even care. They're not doing it for Halloween or for any other reason than that's just who they are. Yeah. I, I, I love, um, I just love the movie. I mean, I, I, I don't remember if I saw it in theaters, but I definitely remember watching it all the time as a kid yeah. uh, and beyond. Uh, I mean, I'm uh, almost 40 and you're in your late 30s. So we kind of, this was like bread and butter movies for us, for sure. I, I love, <laughs> I love this movie. Uh, and it was a really great watch this time again. It was another one that just held up really well. I mean, I thought it would, but I just hadn't seen it in a long time and yeah, paying attention this time because I mean I think we've both just been watching it over the past few years, kind of in the background when it's on yeah. TV or something, and it just it was good to pay attention to the little details and to catch little things that people said and you know things in the background a little bit more. Yeah, definitely. And seeing it as an adult, you like catch so much more because there's so many movies that you watch as a kid and they put all these things in there for adults and you don't realize it and. Uh, but I also think it held up both ways. Like I liked the things that were in there for the younger viewers, but also that it didn't like tailor itself to children. Like it was definitely all around fun for anybody that watched it. And I like that totally we got to sit it. down and um, I like that. Like part of the good thing about the podcast is we can like be like, all right, we want to talk about this movie. So let's really sit down and watch yeah. it. And so it keeps your attention. And it was a very selfish reason. We just want to yeah. actually sit down and watch stuff and, research things that we maybe wouldn't before without having, you know, we're, we're basically in a college class and somebody's telling us to do this. Yeah. We want, <laughs> we we're interested and we want to do it anyway. So this just kind of forces us to do it kind of making ourselves in, in the best way possible. So. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so uh, you read the, uh, the summation or. Whatever. Yeah. I mean, I just did a quick little uh, paragraph when I was getting ready. So this is the one where uh, we learned that it's been a 25 years, I believe, since Fester's been around the Adams family. Um, he disappeared, I guess. 
and there was a whole thing with him and uh, Gomez. They had a falling out. So all that time later, he shows back up with Dr. Pinderschloss. Dr. Pinderschloss. <laughs> yeah. And there's this whole thing that she's doing with the Adams family accountant or lawyer, or whoever he is, Tully. And solicitor? <laughs> yes, he's a solicitor. And uh, basically, Fester is Fester, but he thinks that he's Dr. Pinderschloss's son for real. It's this whole thing. Yeah, that's a part as an adult. I never thought about that as a child, but now I was like, okay, so why did she adopt him? Or <laughs> like she, at the very end, it does get explained that she found him lost um, because in the Bermuda in Triangle. The B- yeah. Yeah, which I never understood. So she's just like, I guess I'll take this bald headed child man and like turn him into my Although, son. Wouldn't he have been an adult? To like do just nefarious about? deeds. Yeah, I think. Well, 20 years before that. Yeah, I don't know how old Fester was. Because they showed the Fester. old home videos and he yeah, was not true. a kid. He was not a kid. Uh, yeah, but so yeah, she just so, took this adult man uh, and was just like, oh, you seem to have lost your memory. I'm not sure why. Why don't I'm I adopt sure you and I will train you to do my my evil do's? My evil do's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, it was so weird, but I mean, who cares? <laughs> yeah, so basically this is also the one that, you know, they have a a ball for the family, uh, a little party with all of the Adams family. So much fun. And... Um, in celebration of Fester coming back, and there's this really fun school play, and at one point Fester kicks out the Adams family, and they have to go stay in a really nice hotel. And which I did not think was this movie. I thought that was family exactly. values. Family <laughs> family values. Yeah. So no Thanksgiving scene. Yeah. No, none of that. No. Yeah. It was. It was. I don't know why that was confusing. I guess you could just watch one after the other as though it's one long movie. Yeah. Kind of, except just Fester, but. Yeah, no, it was, um, and Wensley, Wensley. That's pretty good, Wensley actually. And, uh, yeah, Wensley. So it's both <laughs> of the characters together. Wednesday and Pugsley uh, have that uh, play that they do, which is just, I, there's just so many fun things like in every scene where it's just, it takes the best part of what the Adams Family is and just makes it better, I Yeah, guess. there's just such darkness that's normalized, and then there's just, there's so much sarcasm and you know, really dark humor, and I just love it. And I don't know if we need to say who's in it, because I didn't yet, but, um, you know, we'll just do a quick thing. Raul Julia, I think his name is, um, for Gomez Adams. Oh, his yeah. wife, so it, Morticia, is played by Angelica Houston. Absolutely love her. Um, Fester is, of course, Christopher Lloyd. And then we have our uh, Wellesley, Wensley, um, Christina Ricci as Wednesday, and Jimmy Workman as Pugsley. Yeah, I mean, this is... Uh the, the cast that, I mean, I cast when you're a kid, especially if you've seen them in other things, is just so exciting. So, like, obviously I was brought to this movie because I know I saw Back to the Future before Adam's Family. So when I found out that, you know, Doc Brown was Fester, I didn't even care who Fester was. I was like, I got to see this. And he did, he, as he never does, uh, he never disappoints, um, ever. I mean, we just He's watched the, the Spirit Halloween yeah. movie a couple of nights ago, which Christopher is Lloyd now. is about 175 in uh, that movie. Somehow he's still alive. And, and the he, best part of that movie. Yeah, he looks so old, but he's, but he's great. Still, he's still got that Christopher Lloyd spark that he's had since Taxi. Yeah, you know, just he like did this, so much this fun. you know, joke like he was dying, and then he started oh. laughing. I just, he was great. He's the best. I mean, in our What I Liked section, I literally just, more Morticia and Gomez. I've seen memes in the last few yeah. years, basically, where, you know, that's the relationship you want. And I don't disagree. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of for it. Um, but yeah, they're just, they're super into each other and they, they just keep that romance alive. But on a similar note, I also love Morticia as a mom. Honestly, I think she's a really good mom. Yeah. Um, she listens to the kids. She, you know, she listens to what they want to do and she doesn't just tell them no. Um, she lets the kids make their own decisions. The scene where I think Wednesday's walking by and uh, Morticia's sitting at the table or something and she's like, are you using that knife on your brother? And she was like, of course. And so she takes it away and, you know, the audience, of course, thinks she's being a great mom by taking that weapon away. And she's absolutely not. And she gives her a giant, you know, battle axe or something. Yeah, it, it's just like... Uh Positive reinforcement to the children and, and their projects. Uh, let's Wednesday electrocute Pugsley. Well, they didn't have a lot of time. And she was like, eh, 
you know what? Go ahead. Yeah. At first she was like, no, we have to go. And then she was like, all right, just this once. Yeah. It just really encourages their, their depiction and the play that they're in that Fester helps with. Uh, I just wish that, uh, myself, I had any kind of, uh, like spirit or courage or whatever to do something like that or anyone else in my school ever did for like some kind of school assembly or play to just, you know, load themselves up with some great squibs and, and bloody packs and just let rip and have their arms and legs get sliced (laughs) off and spray the audience with blood. Ah, Really, really would have enjoyed that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even with this, the um, the school and that whole system, you know, when they interacted with the school, they just were like, "Well, this is this is normal." Like, yeah, they're just doing their thing. And you know, Wednesday draws that picture of the family member, and it's got this really dark witch history. And she's like, "Yeah, it's just our relative." Like, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I just I think she's also very open and honest with the kids and. You know, she doesn't, I think that their lifestyle kind of allows the kids to see reality without like shielding it as Yeah, much. I think, yeah, I mean, I think we've talked about how like it's death positive um, in which that, that there's just like, there's no, oh, we don't, we don't talk about that in this family. There, yeah. There's, uh, there's a celebration of everything, um, life and death, including, you know, their family members that have died. It's just like, there's a spirit behind it that is really fun to portray for a family and I think healthy and <laughs> I mean, I think that they're very family oriented more yeah, incredibly. than like most. And they're very confident in who they are and they accept other people for who they are a hundred percent, but they also are very confident in themselves and don't let other people tell them how to live their life. Yeah. And they're just like, yeah, this is us. Take it or leave it. Welcome to our party. They're very friendly. Even when people are manipulating them, as long as, you know, they actually appreciate that sometimes because of the cunning it takes. So, uh, yeah, I, mean, I think I don't know if we're over explaining what is obvious in that family, yeah. but I just watching it as an adult now, I'm just like, you know, I, I like this stuff when I was a kid because it was fun. But now it's like I kind of appreciate more of the adult things in this movie and, and messages, I guess, behind. Yeah, I love seeing relationships characters. and I, I feel like from you know, horror or, you know, any sort of weird movie, I still get a lot of, you know, positive things from. Yeah. And, you know, they, um, I I read some stuff where people compared this to the Munsters. And uh, since we've been watching the Munsters TV show, it's interesting to see the differences in the two families because they're both strange. And I wonder how they'd get along (laughs) for one thing. Uh, But, uh, you know, one of the criticisms of the Munsters I read was like, they were talking about how they, they, want they like want to be a part of society more than the Adams family where the Adams family like like fights back against society I guess which is a weird thing to say I think both of them both of those families are confident in who they are and their interactions with the outside world are just a little different where I think the monsters think that they fit into society perfectly and it's society that doesn't think they fit where Adams family doesn't like necessarily the other versions of society necessarily like they're very confident in how they live. So I don't know how the two families would get along, but the, the, th- I don't know if there's ever been a crossover, but it is amazing. I know it's, you know, universal versus whoever owns that property, <laughs> but like, damn, that would be fun. Just well, to- one of my dislikes that I put were, was actually about the Adams family and the monsters, which is why are weird families constantly being swindled? Is there yes. like a thing? Yes, that's so true. There's like, the the first, like, I don't know, there, there's at least, because there's 39, 40-something episodes in season one of The Monsters, and I I would say so far... A third of them yeah, are like about at least 20. some, you know, like, pair of men trying to swindle yeah. the Munster family, and they're just such nice people, even though they're, you know, quote-unquote freaks, and they're scary. They're just such nice people that they just believe that everybody else is being who they say they are. But they're not. Maybe we're getting into some sort of like weird look at like people that are different, quote unquote. I I don't know, because like it seems like all of them think that the families are dumb. Like in Adam's family, the movie Tully and like very many times says very, very many times. (laughs) uh, So many times it's like, oh, they're idiots. Like Gomez is an idiot. Like he doesn't understand what's happening. We could totally swindle him, you know. And they end up being friends with him anyway. Like, I don't think Tully is actually that bad of a character. Like, 
he ends up really getting along with them anyway. And he kind of likes Gomez's insanity. However, he still dies at the end, he, which I he forgot. He still dies at the end. So he does end up the, being... This really fun movie that I watched yeah. as a kid, and I never realized that him and Pinger Schloss die. That's so they true. They just died. They, they comically fly after, like, Fester, like, you know, after regaining his memory from getting struck by lightning from the Hurricane book, which I, I wish those books were real. Uh, he just, like you know, phases it toward Tully and Dr. Pinnishloth and the wind is everywhere, you know, and they get out and they just comically fly out of the house, out of the ceiling. And then Wednesday, Wensley are just standing there with open coffin, coffins, coffins. And then they fly into the coffins. Your accent is showing. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> uh, I'll just go with it. Um, so they flew into the coffins and then shut the coffins and then the organ plays and we're just as a kid. I'm just like, ha, ha, ha. honestly, I don't think I caught that until this viewing that, yeah, exactly. they, that they were killed. Yeah, they were just brutally killed by the hurricane book. I mean, technically, Fester didn't like actually kill them, but like, yeah, they flew through the ceiling and died. So and does were that put mean that they coffins. become part of the graveyard and like they yeah. pay their respects every year? Because like, well, no, yeah, I see. I, I asked know. you that, and, and you you made a good point that they're not part of the family, so they wouldn't be That's in the true. Adams's plot. Area, but I they mean, would they be died, off to the side probably, the and I'm sure that during the walkarounds or the uh, um, wake the dead games, they probably bother them, or uh, you know, Morticia would go around going, uh, "Oh, and these are the two people." You know, this is why you don't swindle families or what? I don't know. She'd give some sort of speech, I'm sure, but yeah, they just totally died, and I didn't realize that's such a dark thing. Yeah, uh, or worse, they weren't dead and they just buried them alive, which is also a possibility. We don't know. But that's why this movie is so fun because kid kids' movies from the nineties were super dark, and I love that. Yeah, <laughs> I really miss probably what informed a lot of our our personalities. Yeah, the eighties and nineties, I definitely miss that, and it was just it, it. They were so much more real and creative, and I don't know. Yeah, spoken just like a couple of old people. I guess, <laughs> that's yeah, I guess kind of, so. but it's true if you look at it. If you look at the actual evidence, it does. I'm sure there's a lot now that maybe we're not seeing because we don't see as much. But uh, yeah, it was just so much fun to to realize that stuff now, but the swindling aspect is really strange. And which I don't think I would have recognized it as much if we hadn't started watching the monsters. Yeah. But I mean, the parallels are strong. Yeah. I mean, they both, uh, and I guess it's, you know, it's plot devices and writing. I'm sure. I but guess why couldn't you something else have something, happened? Not, I don't nothing, know. Yeah, it's, not, it's not a positive thing. Like the IRS thing. got involved. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's always a legal matter, <laughs> but like also it's like, yeah, and and they always think that the the family. Well, they're constantly afraid of the monsters. Like whenever they see uh, Herman, they just go crazy because they think he's you know uh, a giant ugly man. I don't know, uh, so they run away. But they think they're stupid, and you know they say that several times in the Adams family. And I'm just like, so are we to like these families act and, and live differently? So they're like other people in society that are, quote, normal think that they can be manipulated and swindled, which I guess in Gomez's case is true for a little while until they figured it out. Well, Fester did it, really. Um, but it's just an interesting <laughs> interesting connection with that, where it's like two strange families uh, easily manipulated <laughs> and yeah. by a like line of people waiting to manipulate them. And again, I think it just it comes from such a positive place to to kind of dive into someday that they really they believe the best of everyone because they're being their yeah, full selves. Yeah, exactly. And they do not uh, wish harm or do harm upon anyone else. I don't know why I phrase that like a, a doctor's oath or something. <laughs> but no, I just mean like they're just such kind families. Like they accept everybody without uh, question, and they're so open and honest and uh, vulnerable to a degree about just that's the way they live. Yeah. And it's such a positive thing. And then all these assholes are just like, yeah, we're going to get one over on these guys. It's like, come on. Uh, did you have anything else that you liked or disliked? Uh, I mean, there's so many things, uh, obviously, because it's just, it, it's... I just had one more It's such a movie one. close to our, our childhoods and just love. Uh, I'm just so glad. I think a huge positive uh, is just that I'm so glad when movies that you love when you're a kid, cause there's a lot you watch when you're older and you're like, Oh shit, I shouldn't like this. Mm -mm. This is terrible. But this is another one like Beetlejuice when we watch that. I'm just like, Oh good. I'm glad I still like this. Exactly. I'm glad I still love it. It still is just as fun and it's just as quality as I thought it was when I was younger. So that's great. And two, 
count them, two MC Hammer songs. <laughs> Where was the other one? Back in the day. Were they both at yeah, the end? Yeah, because they did okay. the, the, they say what they want to say, do what they want to do. Yeah. You know, that, that song. And then, too legit. Too legit. Too oh, cool. that was his actual song. The oh, other yeah, one was his actual song, which I thought was from Family Values. But no, both songs in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Don't you love those days when those old 80s and 90s uh, movies used to have songs that were specifically written, usually raps, uh, rappers or um, some sort of great ballad that was always written about the movie, using the movie character names in yeah. it. So great. Just to wrap it up in case you forgot. Just uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for sure. Um, both of them, I think, of course, because, you know, Vanilla Ice in the second one and the Secret see, of the Ooze. See, I didn't see those. So. Oh, yeah, Vanilla Ice in the movie, in the movie, singing the song. He was in the movie? Oh, he was in the movie. Oh, boy. He was in the movie uh, along, yeah, that was a fun time. Uh, Might be worth I, I a watch now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Secret <laughs> of the Use. Oh, classically bad, oh. but great. And if you really want to see a terrible movie, uh, the third one. <laughs> when they go back in time. They go back the in Ninja time. The Ninja Turtles? The Ninja Turtles hold a time-traveling lantern thing and go back in time to the Shogun uh, Samurai age uh, where they what? don't belong. <laughs> And I they just get watched up samurai the cartoons and, on Saturday yeah, morning too, where they had the cartoon pizza that was really the start of where I loved pizza and it never tasted how I imagined yeah. that did, but I still try every every week. I blame completely movies like that for <sighs> me being obsessed with you pizza for pizza the rest later? of my life. It's always like that. <laughs> and whenever I get delivery, I always think, pizza dude's got 30 seconds. <laughs> But that's not even a thing anymore. Because uh. like DoorDash, you're tracking them now. So it's not even funny. You can't even wait around and be like, oh, he shows up. Because there's always a guy for some reason in the movies. But I just, uh, yeah, the, the thir- 13, I just wanted to go back to that. That's, I just thought of that movie, actually. That's, I haven't seen that in years either. That would not hold up as well as Adam's Family. What is it? Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. Oh, I thought you were uh, on to something else. Oh, no, no, trust me. I'm still, <laughs> I'm still reminiscing about the old sequels. Uh, yeah, there's so many food tie-ins, uh, cause I think in Adam's family there was, what I can only guess was Trix, right? I um, think so, yeah. It was Trix cereal that got knocked over Some several fruity. times. Yeah, yep. Uh, there was a very large poster of, oh man, what was it? Did they have a Domino's in Domino's there somewhere? Or, yeah, there might have been Domino's and there was... Not Doritos. But oh there no, was it was Tombstone. Tombstone Pizza. Yeah. yeah, it was Tombstone. Tombstone Pizza, and I, I'm like, which I'd oh, forgotten yeah. totally about. So this is why we like food because it was subliminally advertised to us throughout our youth and all the movies we watched. Because this is really a psychology <laughs> podcast yeah, where we're uncovering things from our past. Well, the only other thing I had on my list of likes or dislikes was Cousin It. Cousin uh, as it. we discovered, that Cousin was our favorite it, find is played by an actor named John Franklin, who also played Isaac, if you happen to have seen the, uh, I think it's 1984, Children of the Corn. Oh, man. And boy, oh boy, was I happy to hear that, because he really scared me in that that movie. He scared me so much in that movie. And to see him as Cousin It, like, really brought some happiness to my life. He really scared you that much in that movie? He's like... He was a little short, like, child. Yeah, 20-year-old man. (laughs) And he had uh, somehow had, like, old man wrinkle face, and he just was so bossy, and, uh, you know, he was awful. Him and Courtney Gaines, just, uh, just, uh, what a great duo that was. Outlander! But I just want, I want the It version of Children of the Corn so bad, (sighs) where he's just like, Monica, Monica, he wants you too, Monica, he wants you too. Yeah, the man who walked above. Oh my god! Yeah, just so much. Uh, like I want to see, you know, behind the scenes of that. I want to see him coming out from costume. I, I mean, just, I, I love just, the fact that he did that. Yeah, That's so great. So great. Uh. And then the other, like, part two of that was the fact that uh, Tully's wife, Margaret, I think her name is. Yeah, she's great. By the end of the movie, she's very, you know, concerned about the Adams family because she doesn't understand them. But then she goes to their party and she meets Cousin It and she fucking wants him. Yeah, I mean, they fall madly in love. Like, at first Who she's like, what, what is that? But then she's like, man. Yeah. 
I mean, she could buy so many different types of conditioner and like hair products and do so much, so much stuff with Cousin It. And then, of course, in the second one, they have little cousin its that oh are just my. like him. I and totally forgot about that. Yeah, like she she's holding a baby cousin oh, it. Oh my gosh, so brilliant. Oh, do you have any last words on this fantastic movie? I think that pretty much says it. I I decided our rating for this one was going to be cousin it babies. <laughs> so okay, got it. I gave it eight out of ten cousin it babies. Just, okay, you know it, it's good. It's solid movie. Eight out of ten. What what is the two it babies that you took off? Um, time period or I, I just, I guess sometimes I, I would say part of it's just, you know, Fester needs to get his shit together a little yeah. bit, you know, I, I get it. But at the same time, he's got a lot of drama that he's just, he didn't even ask for it. And then he just stays in it. I think definitely I would give it eight Marsh babies if I'm still in my rating system. Wow. <laughs> but little, yeah. Yeah, I would say eight out of ten. Uh, it babies is uh, and just the correct, fact that I get confused between the two movies. Yeah, there are very. Similar, they don't stand on their uh, own; they just meld together, which is good and bad, I guess. Uh, all right. Uh, well, thank you so much for listening um, and for joining us. And check out episode what I believe will now be two uh, when we talk about our third movie because we plan this spectacularly. <laughs> yeah, we're just we're getting our footing. We're we're a little off balance with these first few episodes. <laughs> yeah, we 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 got to get into the recording speed here, so. Uh, but thank you for listening, and the candle flame is burning low, the clock strikes midnight, shadows grow. The mighty raven has come round, her call reminds us we're now hellbound. Good night to all you ghouls and ghosts, it's been a privilege to be your hosts. So until these daylight hours have passed, treat, treat every, every Halloween, Halloween like it's your last. last. Thanks for listening. 